right in. Let's go to 2 Peter tonight. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. And Demond Jeanette, if it'll give me a little either up here in the monitor or a little more out there, that'll help me a little bit. But uh, 2 Peter, good. Verse uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. And, and first, I'm going to read it to you um, out of the traditional King James. Uh, and I'm actually going to start at verse uh, 2. Uh, but then I want to read verse 4 uh, out of the NLT tonight. Verse, uh, excuse me, yes, verse 2 of Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 through 5. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and of our Jesus our Lord. And listen to what he says. According as his divine power has given unto us how many things, y'all? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to the glory and virtue. We're going to deal with that. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and how and what kind of promises? Precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And he says, and besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge we're going to deal with that concept of virtue but i want to read it to you in more plain english uh, out of uh, nlt verse number five he says in view of this since you have jesus and he's a, he has rescued you from corruption and he's given you great promises. How many people are excited about his great promises? Amen. Precious promises. He says, in view of all this, 2 Peter 1 verse 5, make every effort to respond to God's promises. I love the way this version says it. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Tonight, I'm gonna to talk from that thought. Moral excellence, moral excellence, colon, a faith supplement. <laughs> a faith supplement. Moral excellence, good to see you, James, is a faith supplement. Isaiah 117, and you can just put it in your notes, but in Isaiah 117, church, it says that we should learn to do well. It says that it is the mission of every believer to learn to do well, learn to do right, learn to uh, live life in a high level, if you will, learn to do things that are pleasing to God. Amen. Learn to crucify the flesh, learn to yearn for God, learn to not love the world. That we should learn to do well. And, 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 and in this text tonight, in verse number five, as I was meditating, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and it is the concept of moral excellence that every believer should strive for. If you're a Christian in here tonight, it ought to be your primary mission to live a life of moral excellence. So let's start off first by defining this concept of excellence. What, what is excellence? Excellence is defined as the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. When a person is excellent at something, they're outstanding. They're extremely good. Some synonyms to the word excellent would be distinct, superior, brilliance, greatness. When you are excellent at something, you just do it at a level that the average person doesn't do it at. You know what makes these athletes get $90 million contracts? LeBron James and some of these other guys who literally got recruited out of high school. They played basketball at a whole nother level. <laughs> they were excellent in what they, they do. They, they were profound in it. And so when 
God tells us tonight that we should excel in virtue or moral excellence. He is saying that as believers, we should live on top of morality. As believers, it should be our mission to be so within the margins of truth. So within the margins of living right and doing right that when we get to heaven, God will literally have to tell us, you could have done that. I don't think y'all got that. Now, yeah, no, you went too far with that one, but I'm glad you made you. Moral excellence, you know, yeah, no, I wouldn't. No, it was all right. You could watch PG-13. It was okay. It's all right. You could have done that, right? Moral excellence. So excellence, distinct. Daniel chapter 6, don't go there, but somewhere around verse number 3, the Bible says Daniel had a what kind of spirit? An excellent spirit. And I don't want you to fall asleep on this lesson because someone would say, you know, here goes Pastor Gabe again with another one of those do right, live right messages. But you don't understand. It was because Daniel had an excellent spirit that it led to all kinds of promotions. I mean, y'all, the Lord blessed him at such levels, not because he was necessarily the smartest, not because he was the tallest, the fastest, but above all, he had an excellent spirit. And don't get me wrong, excellence is uh cleaning the carpet and, and, and making sure things smell right in your home and, and all those kinds of things, being sharp, looking good, feeling good, smelling good. But beyond that carnal excellence is an excellent spirit where you say to yourself, God, what more can I do to please you? I mean, at the end of the day, church, and I thank God for the financial seminar we did earlier where we talked about how God would bless you and how he can pour it out on you and all those wonderful things. But y'all, heaven and earth is going to pass away. At the end of the day, it has to be all of our mission to say, God, what more can I do to demonstrate how much I love you? What more can I do to demonstrate how committed I am to you? And what he is saying to you tonight is, I tell you what more you can do, add moral excellence to your faith. Now, we're going to get to the faith part in just a second, but let's now understand what morals are. Morals are holding high principles for proper conduct. That's it. When a person is moral, they hold high principles for proper conduct. High principles. When, when you do that, which is moral, I think CPAs are a good example of that. If you've ever gone through an audit, and our church voluntarily put ourselves into an audit a year or so ago, and, and, and one of the things that a CPA will do with your books is they will give you feedback on things that are even okay to do, but you just might want to do it at this level. So to be moral is to just have high principles, if you will, high principles for proper conduct. When you're moral, and you've heard me say this, but let me lay a foundation. When you're moral, you look for ways to do it better. You know, I really could potentially go out with this young lady and have coffee, but because I'm a married man, Because I'm a married man, and y'all stay with me tonight because it's going to help you. I just want to do that which is at a higher level. I want to do that which is moral. I, I want to do that which just, you know, makes good sense. And we can take it to another level. You know, you really could go out there and go shopping and go to Best Buy and spend money and do all. But, but when you're at a moral level, you know, you consult God even before you do those things. How you know you might not be spending something that God wants you to give? <laughs> How you know you might be moving in something that God's got something better for you? How about that? Anybody in here, you ever thought about buying something and then somebody came and blessed you with what you was going to buy? Now, I've had that happen. Right? So I'm not going too far into this, this concept of, of money and all these other things. We did that at 6 o'clock. But y'all, moral excellence means that you do the right thing for the right reasons. Amen. You serve your boss at work with moral excellence. 
You could get by on doing a two-page report, but because you function in moral excellence, you do an eight-page report. You could leave earlier because after all, no one's there to see you. But because you function in moral excellence, you understand that the company paid you from 830 to 5. And you probably could make them a little more money if you work 30 more minutes. Now, I'm not telling you don't never leave early and I'm not telling you to be legalistic tonight. How many know some people go too far? You know, you find a hundred dollar bill in the park. Don't wave and say, whose is this? <laughs> Did anybody drop this? Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's not moral excellence. That's moral foolishness. That's your hundred dollar bill. Amen. Unless you saw it fall out of somebody's pocket. But now I'm going to take you in another domain, and, and we've really messed this up, and particularly in predominantly African-American churches when folk go too far and they get really emotional. Okay, if you go to an ATM and Wells Fargo gives you an extra $100, well, you know who gave you that money. Park that car, go in the bank, and tell the personal banker, I got an extra 100 that doesn't belong to me. Now that's moral excellence. Tell my son, the Lord blessed me today. I was in a, a, a store, like a Walmart or somewhere, and I was buying something. And, you know, the lady accidentally didn't ring up one of my items. And, um, and she finished, and we already swiped the card. And she said, oh, it's, it's no big deal. Just throw it in the bag. And I said, ma'am, with, with all due respect, this is not your product to give away. Do you own stock in Walmart? Are, are you the GM? Come on, y'all. Now, I didn't ask her all those questions, but I, I said, with all due respect, no, I'm going to pay for it. That's not profiting that company. That's not moral excellence. And after all, I have what it takes to pay for that soap or that deodorant, whatever I might have been buying that day. Why not just do the right thing? And see, half the time, the church really needs to understand that we spend a lot of time on these fundamental principles. But if you don't spend time on this, let me get to where I was going when I said half the time. If you don't spend time on this, y'all, you'll never get to the blessing. It was because Daniel had an excellent spirit. It was because Peter was encouraging the church to function in moral excellence that the, the, the blessing rained down on their life. Things just began to work. You, you want to see a blessed man? I'll show you a moral man. You want to see a blessed woman? I'll show you a moral man, woman. What would ever uh, happen to us as people, y'all, if we just did that, was, which, which was just right on purpose? I mean, it's just what we do. We're not trying to get by. We're not trying. We just want to do the right. Don't you think God will begin to favor you beyond your wildest dreams? Don't you think God will begin to open up doors? Y'all, let me let you in on a little newsflash. He's looking for examples right now. There's a help wanted ad out there. He's looking for people who are so profoundly in love with him that all you want to do is please him. All you want to do is love your husband. All you want to do, single sister, is live holy. All you want to do is honor him. And I tell you tonight, you can't honor him without him honoring you. Everybody shout moral excellence. Yes, moral excellence would be achieving superior standards in living for God. Moral excellence is your ability, according to this text tonight, to even tap into God's divine power. I'm going to show that to you in just a minute. But when you live morally and when you live on an excellent level, you're able to tap into God's power at a whole nother level. Now, let me discount some religion before we go any further. Ephesians 2 and 8. How many of you know you can't work for salvation? It is by what that we're saved? Grace through what? Faith. OK, so you don't work for relationship. Well, you do work for relationship, but you don't work to be blood bought. You don't work to get to heaven. Salvation is a what? A gift. It is a gift from God. When we got born again, it's because Jesus died for us. That while we were yet what? Sinners. 
Do I have a witness in the church on that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is what a believer lives for, to understand that principle. So I am not preaching or teaching the law tonight. But let me tell you something that Brother Jesse Duplantis said, which was so profound. He quoted Jesus when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he said it so well. He said, the law is not something that should be loathed. It is just boundaries for believers. Y'all, we like the law. Let me give you an example of the law that I like. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thank you, Stephanie. I like that law. Thou shall not steal. Anybody want to take all of their pocketbook back home with them tonight? Thank your neighbor, just in case, you know. Thank you for not taking my wallet. But y'all, that's a law. That's a boundary. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law of Moses. He gave you, Hebrews 8, a better covenant. So when we teach moral excellence tonight, I'm not telling you to be a perfect person. I'm not telling you that you'll always get it right. But I am also not telling you what the hyper grace guys tell you. Slip, fall, do whatever you want to do, and God's still going to bless you. Because the bottom line is, it don't work that way. And Pastor Gabe, why are you teaching another one of these lessons? Isaiah 1 and 17, he told us, learn to do well. Over and over again, churches should remind people, crucify that flesh, die daily, mortify the deeds of the flesh, keep that carnal man down here. This is why we're fasting. Keep that spirit man up here. Come on, somebody. Stay up before the word of God. Turn ABC off. Turn CBS off sometime and get before God. Well, that, guess what that leads to? Moral excellence. Moral excellence. Now, watch this. We know that faith is what fuels God to move if you're taking notes. Faith is what fuels God to move. Hebrews 11, you can quote it with me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what, church? Things not seen. Let's say it again. Come on, this time say it like you're quoting the word of God. Come on. Now, faith is the substance of what? things hoped for and the what church evidence of things what not seen so faith fuels God to move if you ever need God to do something you ever desire God to do something you have to get him to move by what faith does God move by tears no does God move by anger no, God is not moved by emotions. He's not moved because you got a Ph.D. He's not moved because you got an MBA. God's not moved because you got education. He's not moved because you're six foot eight. God is moved by faith. And I'm going to make a link to this. And some of my short saints just said, thank God. But I'm going to make a connection to this. Because watch this, church. When your children have been good, incentivizing them is easier. Now we're going somewhere. When your children have it been good, giving them a lollipop is just easy to do. When your kids have done right, buying them a little extra something on a special day is easy to do. Every child in my house lost their, their dessert last night. <laughs> Except the biggie chutted. Wherever he is, he still got his. But the other two... And Stephen doesn't want dessert, so it doesn't matter to him. All right? He's too young for it. But the other two, they lost their dessert. Well, why they lose their dessert? Because Mama warned them a number of times about being mean to each other. And since they were mean to each other, guess what Daddy and Mom did? They did well, there goes your dessert. And they didn't get their dessert last night. A small lesson to teach them that hopefully tonight you can get your dessert. Now, they've been good all day. Which is good for a parenting workshop. Parents, that's why you hold to whatever you tell them. If I tell you no, you're really not going to get it. Anytime you tell a child to do things three times, you train them to listen on the third time. I don't tell my kids to do things three times. They're on a two-time rule. Once, they should get it then. But their bank account is going down if we get in the two. You're spinning up. 
Amen. You can be in trouble in a second, but I'm sure not going to talk three times. Now I'm not going to talk three times. Some of y'all talk three times. I don't talk three times. Amen. Well, God's the same way. If you ever get moral excellence in your life and God can depend on you to live right and then obey him in all things that he tells you to do, you will move into favor with God. Luke chapter two, don't go there. But Jesus grew in stature in favor with God and men. So did Samuel. You can grow in favor with God, y'all. God will start liking you. Oh, man. He loves everybody. But God will start liking you. Don't you sit there and act like ain't folk you don't like better than others. Yeah, it is. And that's not unchristlike. Jesus had his beloved disciples. That was not all 12. Trust me, Thomas got on his nerves. Jesus done got up from the dead, walked through a wall, and Thomas talking about something, I ain't going to believe. No, come here. Let me put my hand in the, in the mark. He was, he was an unbelieving disciple. <laughs> he wasn't Jesus' favorite. And for God's sake, don't you sit there and tell me Jesus didn't have favorite. You think Judas was his favorite? Jesus even told on Judas before it happened. He said, I chose all 12 of you and one of you is a devil. He put a dig in there. You're not my favorite. I know you got the devil in you. <laughs> but you think Peter, James, John, oh my God, especially John, who was laying on the bosom of Jesus? No, Jesus liked him. Those boys went up to the mountain with Jesus. Everybody else didn't go to transfiguration now. Those boys went to the mountain. With, and what I'm telling you tonight so that you don't go to sleep, you mess around and start living in some moral excellence, God will take you up to the mountain, baby. God will take you somewhere that he ain't taking everybody. You'll be there in spirit, my God. You'll have joy. Come on, somebody. You'll be there in health. Oh, yeah. He'll bless you financially. He'll bless your employment. I wish I was in church. He'll bless your going in and your coming out all because you got on his good side with moral excellence. Am I in church tonight? Now I feel like you're with me. Somebody shout hallelujah. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but now you got to move God. And I'm going to let you know a trick of the trade that's going to help grow your faith. Because notice now the Peter passage says what? Supplement your faith, does it not? Y'all, what is a supplement? Like a vitamin, isn't it? You know, my doctor told me I was deficit in vitamin D a couple of years ago. So he gave me a vitamin D supplement that I'd never took. But he did give it to me. I think my wife got mad at me because of that. I said, I'll just go sit out in the sun. I'll be all right. That's enough. Sun gives you vitamin D. But he gave me vitamin D because it was a vitamin D deficit. Amen. So um, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand tonight. You can supplement your faith with a few things. We can't cover them all tonight. We're just dealing with morality, which is virtue. Same word. You can supplement your faith. It also says with knowledge. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that means the word of God supplements your faith. The word of God, I said, supplements your faith. This is why during your 10 day fast, read more word than you watch TV. Supplement your faith. I'm not bragging in this, but some people said, Pastor, you're such a great man of faith. I'm telling you, y'all, everywhere I go, the word is just playing. If I get in the car, all my car have ACD, and it's not always me either. But the word is, just, if I go work out, the word, Dave, the word is playing while I'm on the bench press. It's just playing because I don't know what God's going to drop in me. And half the time, I don't necessarily hear everything consciously, but how many of you know it'll get down in your spirit? You'll be sitting there and, oh my God, God will bring something to your memories like he did this Bible study. Y'all, I, I read this moral excellent thing weeks ago. And then all of a sudden this week, God says, now teach that. 
Bring that up before the people because it's what they need to hear. Because I'm ready to bless some people. I'm ready to prosper their marriage. I'm ready to prosper everything in their life. But they have to thrive off of moral excellence. Let me tell you something about good, pure Christianity. Pure Christianity is not arm-twisting discipleship. Where somebody's constantly realigning you in the faith. No, come on out to church. No, don't do that. No. And you got to do some of that stuff with babies because how many you know you got to change babies' diapers? That's okay. You're a babe in the Lord. You're going to fall short. And but y'all, when you start growing in this thing, you start liking doing right. It, it, it just becomes a, a part of who you are. Y'all, seriously, I, I hate to say it this way, but I don't hate to say it this way. It's just certain things that don't move me. I mean, I don't go in TGIF and hear the glasses clinging together and, and my flesh says, you got to have a drink. I'm trying to help you tonight. I'm going to be so practical. Brothers, I know it's getting hot out there and sisters, too. And guess what? Moral excellence knows that people are taking their clothes off. Women going to wear halter tops this time of year. Where they going to have on take spaghetti straps. And things like that. All kinds of inappropriate things, right? But, okay, you got moral excellence. You understand Proverbs 4, my brother, to where you see her in your peripheral. And instead of going in the food court that way, how about go in the other way? Did we forget Ephesians 4, 26, 27? Give no place to the devil? That's moral excellence. When you function in moral excellence, you own a business, you know what you do? You send more money off for taxes than you have to. Just in case. <laughs> I remind my wife often, I hope this doesn't happen. Now, after a week like this, I wonder if it may happen. <laughs> I said, I'll go to jail for the gospel. <laughs> but I definitely ain't going to jail over no taxes. Now, I, ain't, I just ain't doing that. Not Gabe Rogers. Not in something I know. Amen. No. Amen. Moral excellence. Are y'all catching this? And you just enjoy loving God? What was the devotion on Wednesday? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul. Isn't that something clear, Sean? You can card a Felicia. Just love God so much. You ever come into communion with God, you will rush to get in his presence. And I ain't talking about when Cassie's singing either. I'm talking about at your house, in your corridors, you'll hollow out of space. You'll be like, God, can we get together later? You can talk to him like that. You do know that, right? God, you got time at five. <laughs> can I meet you? Amen. Everybody say moral excellence. I hope I'm not boring you tonight. Put this in your notes. Every believer should seek to live with a clear conscience. Now, I'm going to show you how morals incentivizes your faith or gives you more faith tonight. But first, go to Acts 24, 16. Let's do a Bible surf right quick, okay? We're going to look at about four scriptures. Four scriptures, then I'm going to give you four points, then I'm going to let you go home tonight, okay? Acts 24 and 16. Man, I studied this for you because I want you to understand that God wants you to have a clear conscience. God wants you to have a clear conscience. Clear conscience. Your conscience will fuel your faith. Every believer should seek to live with a what kind of conscience, church? Clear. Now, I may be reading out of slightly different translations, but you can see it in your own. Look at this, Rodney. Acts 24, 16. In this hope, I strive always to maintain a clear conscience before who? God and man. Y'all, this is New Testament. This is under the better covenant. I strive to maintain a what kind of conscience? Clear. Before who, though? God and who? And man. So we got to get it out of our vocabulary, that whole concept of I don't care what people think. I said something at a talk I did recently. I don't care if people scrutinize me for standing on the government hall, I, you know, <laughs> all the hate stuff and all the people who called us all like man or evil this week. That, that stuff doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. When I'm, you know, standing telling folk that a man shouldn't go in a woman's bathroom. I mean, you realize that's all we're talking about. Because if you're transgendered male, you're a man. You're not a woman. What bathroom were you going in before all this 
My assumption is you had to relieve yourself somewhere. Didn't nobody bother you then? No, it's not about a bathroom. It's about pushing forward y'all's agenda. We know what's up. But it don't bother me when people send hate emails or they get on the news articles and here they go and there these guys go again and they did this and what that stuff don't move me a hill of beans bit. I care less. I don't even read most of it. Sometimes I read it to laugh. It's hilarious. Those are cowards. <laughs> they don't move us. You follow me? But I do care if you happen to hear that first lady has to wear sunglasses because I got an anger problem. Now, I care about that. I care about that. She's not wearing transitional lenses. <laughs> Talking about all oh, these just transitionals. <laughs> they ain't transitioned. We just having family talk tonight. This is going to bless you. She don't even wear glasses. You start seeing her wear dark glasses at church. You come ask me some questions. Hey, Pastor, everything all right? I'm okay with that. No, I care about that. No offense to anyone who's ever been in that. I want to be sensitive. But I care about you hearing about that. And it'll never happen. I care about, God forbid, you hearing about some money being mismanaged. All right? I care about that. I have prided myself when we talk moral excellence, and I thank God no one's ever accused me of anything that I know of in this space. You know, not saying it'll never happen. But, y'all, this little church has managed money so well. Oh, my God. I, I, I look across this room, this amount of people, y'all. These are the foundational folks. Oh, my God. We already celebrate that six-year anniversary. And um, I had, you know, Brother Melvin send me the balance sheet the other night. And uh, I, I just looked at assets and, and, and liquid assets and actual hard assets. And I said, dear God, look at what you have done. And, and y'all, watch this. I'm going to praise you a little bit. We didn't do it preaching some crazy stuff. I didn't bring in any prophets to lie to you. Just so I can get you to give a little extra. Didn't do that. I've stood up time after time and told people don't give your mortgage money. Sure have. That's moral excellence. Never made anybody feel bad for what they have or don't have or didn't do. Praise the Lord. That's moral excellence. Can we just have family talk tonight? I just feel like staying on the floor talking to you. But that's moral excellence. He, Paul said, I have kept Dave a clear conscience before God and man, you know, what's awesome about having Dave and Shantae at this church. I believe one of the reasons why they go to this church is 22 years ago when all of us was in college. The Gabe Rogers they saw then look very much like the one they see now. Isn't that interesting? Do you know your name is powerful? Did you know that church? And I'm not going to pat Gabe on the back all night tonight, but I want you to learn this concept. Your name means something. Don't you dare go and cuss somebody out on a job and tell them take this job and shove it. Because guess what? The next place you apply to, their aunt is going to be in HR. I've known Rodney and Audrey for years. And the Lord led them here. Praise the Lord. Moral excellence. Eddie and Margaret went to the church I played the organ at. Didn't have one choir member in the bed. Not one. Not one. And, I, and I'm using these examples because, honestly, I'm not perfect, but God says there's a qualification to talk about this. All right? You want to be in a place to where you have so honored God. You have so said, God, here I am. Take my life. Use me for your glory. And then guess what, church? When you mess up, hurry up and fix it. Get it right. All right. Watch this. Moral excellence. You offend somebody. You go tell them sorry. You go tell them, listen, I should not have said that to you. Moral excellence. Somebody offended you. Don't you dare let them slow down your progress in the spirit realm. You forgive them right now. 
it's over. I'm done with it. Yep, you borrowed money and never gave it back. Praise the Lord. Keep it. I'm free. I've gotten more since then. Moral excellence. You want to live life in a way to where you never have to go in a grocery store, bump into somebody you used to know, and go down a different aisle. Or look at the side of the wall. <laughs> Do what Pastor Gabe does when I run into my members who, who, who left because I preached against Obama and abortion. Boy, when I see them in North Lake Mall, they see me. And they be like, I say, hey, girl, get over here and give me a hug. I get all in their face. Come on over here. How y'all doing? What church y'all at now? Praise the Lord. Good to see you. And my smile ain't fake either. Come give me a hug. You know me. <laughs> done, done married you. Did your counseling. Did you? Come on. Paid your light bill a time or two. You know me. You sit there act like you don't know me. Get over here and give me a hug. Amen. I love you. So you ever leave the church, don't bump into me now. And act like you don't see me. You see me. That ain't moral excellence. That's hate. That's hate. When I get through debating the LGBT community, you know what I do at the end of my debates? I shake the man's hand. It's a man. I shake his hand, though. He's not a woman. I love him. And bigger than mine. I shake it. And I, and I compliment him. I tell him, you know what? You are a strong debater. Strong. Keep on. Stay strong, my brother. Strong. You're a man. <laughs> That's what you are. That was a dig, but I meant it. Go with me to Acts 23 and 1. <laughs> Cut all that out, all that hatred. Man, am I doing all right, Miss Monique? Let's go to Acts 23 and 1. All right, look at this, y'all. Paul had a good conscience before who? God and man. But now he's in front of his enemies, the Sanhedrin. Acts 23 and 1, Paul looked directly at the Sanhedrin and said, what did he call them, y'all? Brothers, I have conducted myself before God in all good, what? Conscience till this day. Y'all, even with people who don't like you and speak like mine or evil against you, you got to keep a good conscience with them. This is the, these are the Sanhedrin's. These are folk who killed Jesus. But Paul's like, look, I had a, I've been, I, I got clear conscience. No, I love you. Let's go Bible surfing. Come on. I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Anybody enjoying the word tonight? <clears throat> go to Hebrews 13, 18. I want us to be a balanced church. I want you to walk in wealth. But, you know, when you're a pastor, you can't teach money every week. Pastor, you can't talk about any subject every week. You, you got to have people who understand they got to have their veggies. Amen. You got to have your veggies. You got to have your chicken. Get your seafood. Get a little cake. Amen. Get some dessert and ice cream. But then go on back, get some string beans now. You can't live off a of cake. Be malnourished. I love y'all tonight. I do. Amen. Thank you. Only one person said that. I'm applying some. I'm going to another church. Then y'all better say I love you too. In fact, everybody say I love you too right now. Go and say. We talking about moral excellence tonight. Y'all are scaring me. Go with me. I'm teasing you. Go with me to Hebrews 13 and 8. I think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but they say the writer is unknown, so I'll hang on to that. But um, listen to what he says. Hebrews 13, 18. Hebrews 13, 18. He says, pray for us. We are convinced that we have a what? C clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Now, that word honorably, Cassie, it means honestly. The writer of Hebrews, I think his brother Paul, says, Look, y'all pray for us because our objective, our objective is to live honestly in every way. But then he says, we are convinced that we have a clear conscience. Now I'm about to throw you a curveball. How in the world does someone who murdered people have a clear conscience? 
You know how he has a clear conscience? And this is something that's going to bless somebody tonight who you have done the worst of all sins. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I don't know who will get this CD. I have preached to murderers before, drug dealers before. I've preached to everybody. In fact, our youth leader, praise the Lord, God's just saved him. He's born again. I've been out of prison 20 some odd years, just on fire for the Lord, tells his testimony. So we got everybody in this church. But, but, but listen to what I'm saying. You know why Paul can say, I preach and teach with a clear conscience? I've done no wrong in so many words because he understands what accepting the forgiveness of God is all about. And that's for somebody tonight who, you know, you're trying to get back on track. You're trying to get your life back together, really pull some things in. You know, you did things and you were right in your own eye. Book of Judges says they were right in their own eyes. You were right in your own eyes for a season of your life, but then you just finally have come to this place at the end of May 2016 when you're like, God, I don't want to do it my way no more. I don't have an opinion anymore. I'm not right, God. You know what? God cleanse me like David purged me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. Make me whiter than snow. David was yearning for God. He was like, God, I had that affair, God. Oh, my God, whatever you do, get me back on track. Don't take your spirit from me. And the other side of repenting is to understand that once you have legit, everybody say legitimate, legitimately repented, authentically repented, you can stand up and say, I have done no man any wrong. I got a clear conscience. I told you about the people who knew me when, but make no mistake, I got a past too. But I can preach to you today with a clear conscience. You know why I can preach with a clear conscience, uh, Jeff? Because my past is not my present. That's the difference. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about people's past tonight. We're talking about understanding that in the presence, accepting the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the embrace of God, church. Understanding that God loves us so, so much. He desires for us to be loved at such a high level you would never know how much God loves you tonight. Understanding those fundamental principles will deliver you into a place of good consciousness if you're ready for that somebody shout hallelujah go to first corinthians 10 and 32 i'm gonna give you four points and we gotta close i'm gonna end on time tonight because see this is really gonna help some of my seasoned believers who need to understand you can't do everything everybody does amen first corinthians 10 and 32 if i wrote it down right paul is telling the church at corinth something he says do not become a what stumbling block do not become a stumbling block, rather to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Did anybody catch that? Jews, Yolanda, Greeks, church of God means to the believers or the non-believers. Y'all, we've laughed at this before, but I'm so serious. It's summertime now. I know everybody's staging cookouts. Can you not get in the electric slide line? I mean, just try it. One family reunion, just be a full-fledged Christian. Full-fledged. I pledge allegiance to the cross of Jesus Christ and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under Jesus, with liberty and justice for everybody that gets born again, and I will not slide to the right today. Try it. First lady and I got married. Y'all, it wasn't no sanctified Holy Ghost Mary in the sanctuary and then go to the reception hall and the same people talking about something. We didn't do that. And I got news for you. The people at our wedding weren't allowed to do that because we were paying the DJ. You don't play nothing but what we tell you to play, brother. You're going to play some soft, loving godly music and I wasn't there to hear it anyway for we left in 16 minutes I didn't want to be there there not at all I know that irks you I hope it doesn't it don't irk you do it but I didn't want to be there hey man 
I didn't, want, I didn't. I would say whatever. There were people who flew in from all over everywhere. Praise the Lord. And people were there that my wife hadn't seen. Am I right there? Hadn't seen. And your grandmother was there. And she said, my grandmother. Praise the Lord. Amen. We love her. We love everybody. But we're going to see y'all at the next function. The only song I was hearing in my mind is, the struggle is over. And I ain't sitting up in no reception hall when I have been authorized. I'm, off, I'm authorized. Praise the Lord. And all them people who stay and clean up the reception hall is because they already been there, done that. Y'all ain't clap on that one. They been there. They don't got nothing to look forward to. Already been there. Amen. My wife, my wife had to slap my hand a time or two when we were there. No. Okay, praise the Lord. You're right. All right, come on. Let's go home now. Praise the Lord. That's holiness. Good for her and us. Good for her that she was able to say, but good for me, brothers, that I struggled. For some single brother. I done told you, girls, if you go to a movie and that brother told me something, you sit down there and I sit over here, you leave him now. He don't got no press on him. Ain't no stress. He ought to be stressed out. Talking about some. He's a man. He ought to be stressed out. And I'm as serious as my mom would say as a heart attack. That brother ought to be stressed. Amen. He ain't stressed, you got a problem. And you, you, you mess around, praise the Lord, and well, come on. <laughs> Let's look at our four points now. See, you see how God growing me? I'm growing. Amen. <laughs> Shucks. We had to hurry up and get married. Move that date up. We moved our date. Bless y'all who got that gift. You want to figure each other out for 18 years. See what God's saying. I knew what God was saying. Hurry up. That's what God was saying to me. Even if he wasn't saying that, that's what I was saying. And that's what we did. Amen. Let's look at the incentives of morality. Now we get into the blessing. 12 minutes or less, okay? You've been so patient. We having family talk tonight. I feel so relational with you tonight, and I believe that's what God wants on a message like this. What are the incentives, Elder Glenn, of morality? Number one, peace of mind. Peace of mind. You know what peace of mind is? You don't have to look over your shoulder. Peace of mind is you're not worried about when the next shoe is going to drop. You don't, you don't have to worry about an investigation. You don't worry, you have to worry about if you happen to accidentally leave your email up. And your husband sees something. You don't have to rename people in your cell phone contacts. <laughs> Calling her your brother's name. You don't do none of that. Worried about her calling you accidentally at the wrong time. You got peace of mind. Amen. Everybody say peace of mind. You know, look over your shoulder. Number two, what are the incentives of, of, of morality? Peace in relationships. Watch this, y'all. The right people will like you. The right people will like you. You have peace in relationships. Amen. You walking in excellence and morality, man, don't you know people are glued to you? I told about the folks who scrutinized us this week, but I can't tell you the emails and, and I got from people who just love what we did. One lady said something like, thank you for standing for my daughters. And man, that thing moved me. Now, that's the stuff I read all week. Thank you for so much for not allowing the. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you what's going to happen. And I prophesy this to you as a church. Somebody going to see one of these videos. They're going to go right on there on PayPal. Sure. Watch what God do. Somebody who can make a difference. Oh, it has happened before. In the first two years of the ministry, someone heard me preaching hard against sin, gave the church $50,000. Sure did. That's happened before. So who am I to assume it won't happen again? At a higher level. 
I'm telling you it's going to happen. In fact, I just created it by faith. <laughs> Peace and relationship. The right people will like you. Open doors. Favor with man. That's all under peace with relationship. Peace with relationship. Your wife will like you. You just come home at the right time. Ain't that something? Your husband like you. He want to do for you because, you know, you come home and, and the first thing he hear is not, can you please? Or would you? He can sit down and take his jacket off, you know. And you can come and just make him feel so warm. I, I compliment my wife. She's so good at that. <clears throat> She's good at that. Man, I got home uh, from Raleigh the other day, and you know that was a war zone. Man, she's just so compassionate and, dear, whatever I can do, how can we make the house? You know, that's how she talks. <laughs> that eerie voice. Here, how can we make the house comfortable, comfortable for you tonight? I just want, I really want you. <laughs> that's how my wife talks. But she made things, Shantae, Antoine, peaceable. Peaceable. Peace in relationships. And you know what I did? I made her life peaceable. I said, no, dear, let me help clean the kids up. I'm still a dad. Let me do whatever else I do. I want to make your life better. What would happen if we just started enjoying things being right? Married couples, if you could just enjoy your marriage. It's just right. You drank lemonade together. Like Rodney and Autry, they don't have any space between them tonight. Walt and Luanda definitely don't have no space. Y'all slide over some. That's, that's out over the top. Luanda moved down a little bit. Amen, but that's a blessing. That's good. You want to sit with each other? Amen. That's peace. Those of you who are in the church tonight, you're single moms and stuff, don't hate your little kids. Love them. Raise them up to be giants. You don't know who their dad is or he left you with them? That's okay. Have peace with Solomon. Do you know Solomon was born in dysfunction? Solomon is the child of Bathsheba and David. The woman he cheated with. You didn't know that, did you? But Solomon becomes the richest man who ever lived? Somebody did some good parenting. Peace and relationships. Number three, we did this at six, so I'm not spending a lot of time with this. But peace and economics. When you, one of the incentives of morality is, is your money, the economics of your life stay on track. You live in moral lives, you don't spend money you don't have, you're always a giver, you're doing good to those who are of the household of faith, you look for opportunities to do good, you don't have to worry about um, some tax IRS stuff, you don't have to worry about getting hit here, okay, let's go there, you, you're not sleeping with a bunch of women, so your paycheck ain't getting split up in five ways. No offense to anybody who, who has that situation in, in, in moderation. Of course, we've been born again from something, so don't hear that the wrong way. But you, you don't have to deal with certain qualms of, of life. And then, God forbid, you know, you got what they call baby mama drama. She won't let you see. Or he won't let you see. It goes other ways sometimes, too. Being mean back and forth, you're always in strife. That's not peace. And if you're in this church tonight and you got that situation, you agree quickly with your adversary. That's what the Bible says. You be the peacemaker. Let them fall out. I'm good at letting people fall out. They fell out. I didn't fall out. I was right here. Let them. Fall. I didn't change. Amen. They fell out with, with God. You know, but you keep peace. Peace in your economics. Keep your money right. If you exercise morality. But I love the fourth and final point, and I'm going to be so efficient tonight. We got five minutes, six minutes. <clears throat> the final and biggest incentive of morality is peace in your future. Peace in your future. You know this verse by heart, but Galatians chapter six, somewhere around verse number seven, somewhere down there, it says, be not deceived. God is not what? Mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, if it's whatsoever, Sylvester, a man soweth, that means if you sow morality, guess what you're going to reap in the future? You're going to reap morality. Had a good pastor say something one time, it was so profound, he was talking to his singles. 
And he said, listen, if you can't allow the young lady you're dating now to be faithful to God and stop pressuring her to have sex before marriage, if you can't allow her to do that, then why should she be faithful to you when y'all finally get married? You wouldn't allow her to be faithful to God. You pressured her. Good point. When you sow morality, y'all, if you start putting, just try it. Seriously, try it 12 months. Just do good on purpose. Moral excellence. Moral. Stay out of strife. Stop beating people up. You know, one of the things I'm growing in is even in folks who disagree. Now, not on the major staples of our faith, but people who have different theological views on certain principles that are not constants. I'm talking about the variables. Y'all, I ain't talking about them folk. Seriously. For what? <laughs> now, unless they come out and say there's no rapture, okay. Now, I got to rebut that. But, you know, whether or not you, you do baptismal this way or that way, neither one of them will take you to heaven. We know that's true because the man on the cross went to heaven and he didn't get any water on him. Whether you wash feet in your faith or not. <laughs> and that's in the Bible. It is. It's in the Bible. We got to church. Remember that? We, we got to church one night. This was years ago. And uh, the pastor said, we're going to wash everybody's feet tonight. And um, I said, well, I didn't put any lotion on before I left. So I'm going to kind of go out in the hallway for a little bit. I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable with this um, tonight. I don't feel too comfortable with this. If you would have prepped me, I would have participated. But tonight, I can't participate because I would embarrass myself. Amen. Amen. That really happened. Yeah. It's a true story. I think finally he washed our feet after all. You know? That's it. But if you don't wash feet in your church, it's not taking you to hell or heaven. You should observe communion. You should do certain other things. They're ordinances of the faith. But, y'all, I'm telling you, people be max. Uh, they be they be majoring in those things. And, 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 and you be like, OK, how about stop smoking? Don't worry. Get the deacons on your deacon board. Call a meeting with them and do a smoking cessation group. Seriously. And you're all up in the air about other stuff. You're not even morally. Has this been a good teaching tonight or what? Excellence in morality. You know, you worry about this, you know, worry about that. Tithing is not for today. What on tithe? What you want us to say to that? Be broke. We, we don't want to preach 18 Sundays a month. To get you to master a fundamental principle of just not being selfish. That's really what it's about. Anytime you're trying to find, and, and Shantae and Sister Nicole, they could help me with this. They're attorneys. You know what good lawyers are good at doing? Understanding to, how to interpret the law or find the law to fit their case. And even to find, am I right, sis? Find the loophole. To find the loophole. That's what they do. Well, it does say this, however, in provision section A, B, C, D, Roman numeral two, we do find where there is a provision for, and now you done got case dismissed because they found that provision. Isn't that something? We're not those kind, we're not legalistic, and I'm not talking about our attorneys, I love them, they're great, but we're not legalistic. It was an attorney that tried to rebuttal Jesus in the, in the New Testament. We're not legalistic in our approach to the gospel, y'all. I'm trying to raise up a church in this city with people who are loaded with morality. They're filled with the spirit of God. They're happy single moms if they're single. They're, they're, or, or, or just single with no kids. They're happily married if they're married. They work an honest living on their job. You know, somebody here's a nurse. Somebody here's a CNA. Somebody here's an attorney. Somebody here's a doctor. But oh, well, praise the Lord. Wherever you are, just be moral. That's the one thing we have in common. So 
silent Christian, you can stop it whenever you need to. Be moral. Do right because it's right. No secrets. And I'm going to tell you something, and this is that moral excellence, and we're going to let you go, y'all, but moral excellence is stuff like, okay, you're away on business, and you know so-and-so is flirting with you, or you know 